What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dampa Valley, coming at you with like frequent guest now. This is the third time that she's agreed to come back on the podcast, which means it's officially her fault. The first two, I'll take responsibility for, but the third time, you know what you're getting into. Uh, Olivia Punchall, she is formerly of the Daily Thunder, podcasted, did a fantastic job over there. She is a medical school student, which is also why she's not a part of the Daily Thunder anymore, but she's also just a big thunder fan and knows a lot about this team and i'm delighted that you agreed to run it back for a third consecutive okc thunder look ahead the most important question i will ask on this podcast though how the heck are you i'm good i can't believe it's been three times i actually didn't realize that we've done this that many times that's awesome um it's been good it's been busy obviously with med school and everything it's been a little bit challenging to keep up with basketball but i'm doing my best um it's going to be a crazy season with all of like the new developments in the past couple of weeks, which I'm sure we'll get into, but I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah. I mean, were you just like, did people ask you to consult on Chet's uh, Liz Frank injury after, after that happened? Yeah. And I've noticed that. Okay. So obviously I'm not a doctor. Let me just preface this whole podcast by saying that, that I am not a doctor yet. Um, but I do have in my like Twitter bio that I'm a medical student. And so like, I'll get all these like DMs and tweets and be like, Olivia, Olivia, like how long is he going to be out? Like what's injury? Like, what is this? What is that? And I'm like, I know the same information that you all know. Um, and I'm also Googling and learning a lot right along with you. So I'm not the person to ask. There are definitely way more qualified people than me who cannot talk about these things. So just refer to those people and not me and circle back to me in maybe like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and look, you're not, even if you're a doctor, unless they're sending you like his, like, you know, the right. vitals on his medicals, you can only yeah. infer from afar. Right. Uh, that's probably the place to start because mm -hmm. I remain excited about the thunder, but just the idea of Shay and Chad Holmgren and Jalen Williams, like I was very, I was giddy, so to speak yeah. okay. uh, about the thunder <laughs> season. What does his injury? Well, I guess let's start with Chet. A lot of people okay. painted, Oh, well, I was always concerned about his durability issues. The best way I've seen it framed was from John Hollinger, where it's like, this is not someone who got injured because he was pancaked by a like a guy who plays a position that he's going to defend. It was a non-contact injury, so I don't remain that concerned with it. But when you look at just his build, him being over seven foot, what we know about injuries to seven footers, does this concern you at all? Or are you ultimately okay with, okay, well, he's just going to delay his NBA debut for a year? Yeah, I mean, okay, so I don't think that, I, I think it's unfair to say that like, if Chet was like 50 pounds bigger and he wouldn't have gotten this injury. It's just one of those like freak things that just happened. And I don't know if he's more or less susceptible because he's seven feet tall to an injury like this. Like definitely there are other injuries where it's like, you know, like ankle problems or lower back problems. We've seen that with players like, uh, um, like AD, he has like a lot of chronic back problems for being as large as he is and Zion with his ankles and his feet. So that's like definitely a thing, but I don't think it's, the reason here as far as like concern for the future you know anytime you have a surgery whatever you're repairing the repair is always going to be weaker than what was originally there and that's just true of any type of surgical procedure any type of repair and when they go in there and they do that procedure there's damage to surrounding tissues and vessels and things like that so he's not going to be a hundred percent even after the surgeon i think it's important to understand that there's going to be a long road of recovery and rehabilitation for him um, with this type of procedure that happens like in a joint, 
there's always a risk of damage to cartilage and more chronic problems like arthritis. I'm not saying any of those things are going to happen, but they're things to consider and to think about. So while I don't think it's going to be like a career ending injury for him, I do think it's going to maybe take some time for him to get back to where he was before. We didn't even get to see his baseline. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult to say if he'll be better or worse post-injury because we really never even got to see what he is right now. And I'm also just curious as to what you think this does to how the Thunder, it's not only about just this season, but what it does to this season, but then yeah. also beyond, because as you mentioned, he's going to come back mm-hmm. next year and he'll right. he'll be a rookie. And mm-hmm. now you have to cake in his developmental curve there. And so does this actually appreciably set back their rebuild, change the context of what you're doing? Just how do you, that's such a huge, tough question to answer, but how do you think this impacts yeah. the Thunder's trajectory? It's terrible, (laughs) if I'm being totally honest. I don't know if I was being overly optimistic, but I think I can speak for a lot of Thunder fans and kind of, you know, the the vibe in like Thunder culture was that this was like a big stepping stone. We hadn't ended the tank, but we had definitely, there was a definite palpable shift away from the tank when we got the number two pick and we got Chet Holmgren. And so it seemed like even though we weren't maybe going to make the playoffs this year, you know, maybe a play-in game would be our ceiling this year and then playoff contending in the year or the next year. And now just like losing a whole year, it just sucks because I feel like now we have to go back to losing on purpose and, you know, shutting down the team halfway through the season, which isn't fun for anyone, um, especially for Thunder fans. And, you know, it just seemed like there was an end in sight. And now I really don't know what's going to happen next. The thing I cringed was when I saw the reactions were basically like, oh, Sam Presti's in his office just fist pumping after Chet got injured because now they enter the Scoot Henderson um, yeah. Wemby sweepstakes. And I have been a tr- I've actually been on Thunder Pod, uh, a Thunder yeah. podcast because I am nationally a Thunder rebuild truther. I see a yeah. rhyme and reason of what they're doing. What do you think the national media or just basketball fans who don't follow the Thunder, what are they missing most about this Thunder rebuild? And I will add this. I don't, mm-hmm. they just traded three first round picks to get yeah. Ujman Jang. That's mm-hmm. a consolidation trade. Like that yeah. showed some level of aggression, some level of aim. So I don't know how you look at a move like that. And yeah, again, the Chet injury, it changed a bunch, but pre, they still had like that stigma against them before that. And so what do you think people miss about this rebuild the most? You know, I think it's two things. I think, I think we've seen other teams tank unsuccessfully. It's become such a common thing. Like either you're consistently in the playoffs or you're tanking, but those other teams, a lot of them, they tank without rhyme or reason. Whereas I feel like there's a very intentional way that Sam Presti makes the choices that he makes, which doesn't make it just like losing on purpose and hoping for the best. Like I I think he's very calculated about it. And the other thing that I don't think that other, you know, like, national media outlets and other people outside of Oklahoma really understand is like the culture, not only as in our team, but also the culture of the city, which I think is what the the culture of the team really builds off. It's going to sound really cheesy and dumb, but I just feel like, you know, it's so important. It's such a, like the Thunder is such an important part of Oklahoma city and of of our culture and of our whole whole vibe that for us to lose on purpose and just be bad in perpetuity is like not really an option for Sam Presti or anyone in the front office or for the team. Like they have to get back to winning. It's literally all there is in Oklahoma City. The only thing that we can be fully united around is Oklahoma City. And I feel like in other places, they don't really understand that. Like having lived in Los Angeles and having lived in Oklahoma City, there's just no unity in other places around a certain team or a player that we have like the way we have it in Oklahoma City. And I think that's really special, but it also means that they've got to hurry up and get back into the play. Soon. 
Which is also kind of why the idea that they're just waiting to flip Shea Gilgis Alexander for picks is mind melting to me. I mean, we've already seen them consolidate picks because there just aren't enough roster spots to go mm -hmm. around. And so that is just like that. I guess it doesn't annoy me, but like, let's have the same energy with Luka Doncic in Dallas then because like mm -hmm. they've kind of fucked up the way that they rebuild around him. Let's wait for him to ask out or why aren't they just going to trade Luka for picks at some point? Yeah. And I think part of, inherent in that culture it goes both ways it it's the culture of the front office but also of the players and so i don't think that shea Gilbs alexander is going to demand to be traded because chef hungry got injured and it kind of set our timeline back and he's i don't i think he has the same level of trust that we have in sam presti and the choices that he make is making and knows that sam presti is very intentional about the decisions that he makes and is not gonna let sga just wander away the private first career that's just not going to happen. And, yeah, and look, you can't speak to the future, but two things that stand out. He doesn't have a player option in that mm -hmm. five-year deal. And if they really pushed for it, I think that he had the leverage to get one. Mm -hmm. And two, he left the season in his exit interview saying, like, yeah, me and Sam talk all the time. I'm confident in the future right. of this team. And it's like, you don't hear every player say that. And mm -hmm. so th that's a good harbinger. You can't yeah. speak what happens years down the line, but the idea that this is, like, on tilt for some reason without having ev any evidence that suggests it actually is on tilt is – is ridiculous and is definitely a problem with some of the coverage. I do have I mean, actual basketball questions for you. Though. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Let's get into it. <laughs> um, Shay looks a lot stronger than yeah. he did last year. And my, yeah. this is sort of a twofold question is, do you think that's going to help him become an even better finisher or kind of bump up his volume at the rim, which dropped off last year? And the second part of that is we also saw his efficiency in general dip last season. Was there anything you saw specifically that might concern you or you're watching for, or is this just very much a function of look at the damn burden that he's tasked with ferrying as a self-creator within a pretty confined space when you look at the Thunder's half-court offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that him getting bigger is going to be really great for him and finishing around the rim. I think, you know, there's, you know, two types of player that players that are really good at finishing around the rim. Those that just like power their way to the rim, like a Russell Westbrook back in the day. And then those that kind of have like this finesse to kind of weave their way to the rim. And that's kind of Shea Gilles Alexander. But if he is if he gets a little bigger, puts a little meat on him to kind of fight his way around the rim, you know, then you're kind of talking about, this is a stretch obviously, and it's not a direct comparison, but like a Luka Doncic where he has that finesse and that ability to handle the ball, but also to finish at the rim. And like that, I think is a very highly sought after skill. And if he's able to tap into that, I think that would be really good for him. Um, and as far as like his efficiency going kind of down at the end of last season, I agree with you. I think he just didn't really have the floor was poorly spaced. There was really no one to pass it to. I don't know how much better it's going to be this year. Um, I think Josh Giddy is substantially better than he was last year. I think he finished the season really strong. I think he looked really good in summer league. I think he's done a lot of work in the off season. That's going to like, the Jalen Williamses and how how they're gonna be, um, you know, Diang. I don't really know. So it's just there's so many unknowns with the Thunder right now that it'll be interesting to see how they're able to diversify the offense. Who do you think is like most important to that happening this year? Is it just Josh Giddy? Yeah, I think the one who needs to relieve the burden the most. Yeah, I think so. He's the most consistent, the most reliable. Um, he can handle the ball himself, but he can also play off ball. So that creates an interesting dynamic, I think, where they can kind of, you know, trade off spacing for each other, you know, both kind of create shots for each other, uh, maybe even uh, look into staggering them and having Josh Giddy kind of run the point with the bench players for a little while. I think there's a lot of uh, room for them to work together and for them to both 
flourish in that offense. I don't think they really have to take away from each other. I think they play really well together and they will be even better once Josh Giddy kind of nails down his jump shot, his mid-range shot, which I think he, he's gotten a lot better. He looks good in summer league, obviously not as good as opponents, but it's promising. Chip Anglin already paying dividends there, but I, I do have a question about Josh Giddy. I wanted to, so we both predicted last year mm-hmm. that Shea would make an all-star team. Okay. He did not. He's still mm-hmm. clearly that caliber of player, but what is the, whether it's one thing or a collection of things, but what are you looking for or think that he needs to do to enter those mainstream all-star, all-NBA discussions, you know, this season, but also beyond? Yeah, so there's two things that I think are not in his control and one thing that is in his control. So I'll start with things that are out of his control, which are reasons why I don't think he made it last year. So one, the West is just stats heavy with really talented guards. A lot of new young players like John Morant and you've got Steph and you've got Clay. You've got all these people in the Western Conference that make it really challenging to make it as a guard. With Donovan Mitchell leaving, that potentially opens up some room, but it's still challenging. The other thing is that it's really hard to make the all-star team when your team is winning 20 games in a season. It's just hard to stand out. It's hard to shine when everything else looks so tragic. And so I think that also makes it exponentially harder. I think if the Thunder were a playoff contending team, he'd have it a lot easier time making an all-star team. So those two things aren't really in his control. But what's in his control is I think he just needs to to hit that like superstar caliber, he has to be able to take over games. He has to be able to, you know, will the team to wins, to really uh, take charge of the offense, to to create to to create shots, but also to to be able to create shots for himself and really, you know, put himself in a position to win. And those are the things that I think set him apart from just being a good team player, which he really is. And he obviously has these great flashes of offense, he's a great defensive player as well. Um, but I think just you know having that leadership that you know, that ability to take over the game, that flash is what kind of gets you into the all-star game. And he still has some room to grow there. Do you think that his defense has then been underrated nationally? Because I look at him and I compare him to like what he did his rookie season in LA. Mm-hmm. And there's like yeah. been a certain stiffness to me with him in Oklahoma city or where sometimes they not go out of the way, but he's not even involved in defending like some of the primary actions you would expect him to. Uh, is there anything you've noticed there specifically? Or are they just trying to do that because they want him to conserve energy on the offensive end since his usage has to be so high there yeah i mean i think it also it's partly because blue dort's on the team and he's just such a phenomenal lockdown defender that he's kind of the person that you put on the other team's best player and so i don't know he i don't know if it's a trade-off i mean i think i'd rather have blue dort doing that but maybe yeah (laughs) maybe um that's maybe part of it it's just like because blue dort is so exceptional defensively it kind of he kind of pales in comparison, but I do think that for a guard at his position and his size, I think he's, I think he's a great defender. Josh Giddy, someone who I remain fairly low on um, compared to the really? consensus, fantastic <laughs> passer, great size. I think he's going to be a very good defender. He's already a really good rebounder. Um, yeah. And to his credit, people talk about his jump shot. I felt like towards the end of the season and we saw in summer league, like there's confidence in his floater. He did shoot 44% up from mid range. So can he up the volume on those? And now look, Chip Anglin just being an OKC, that was one of the yeah. biggest free agency signings period of the yeah. summer. Like that's you look at the players he'll work with in Dort and Jang and and Giddy, like he could single-handedly like really make a difference for OKC. Yeah. But what are I guess one, what gives you so much confidence in Josh Giddy in general, especially when you look at him fitting next to SGA, as you mentioned before? And what's the biggest thing you're really I think you alluded to this with his jump shot. Do you see, you know, 
a long range, like even not, you know, let's not say off the dribble, but if defenses go under him on screens, that he can just take those like methodical pull-ups or just hit those three pointers off the catch. Yeah. I like his confidence in himself. I like that. He, he knows that he is like, I, he knows he has still, he's not complacent. He knows he has room to improve but he's willing to put in that work. And it really shows when he, he like towards the end of last season, when he was getting those triple doubles, I just saw his confidence shoot up. And once his confidence shot up and he knew that he could handle the ball, that he could lead the team when SGA is not there. I think that it really did wonders for his game as well. And I think it made him more comfortable with shooting those mid range shots. And I hope that carries into this season and he kind of gets to still have some of those ball handling responsibilities, even when SGA is still there. So that gives me confidence. Um, you know, I th- he finished, what was it, like sixth, fifth or sixth in the rookie of the year, rookie of the year race, which I think was really excellent. Um, I think that he outplayed a lot of the people that got drafted ahead of him. And I think all those things make him more confident as a player. I really, really liked what him and Chet had going, their pick and roll action, their kind of, you know, their chemistry. And I was really excited to see that. But maybe he can kind of recreate that with um, with someone else. Um, I don't know who because we don't really have a center power forward is questionable. <laughs> um, we'll see. Uh, but if he can kind of recreate that same kind of chemistry, you know, creating shots for other people, keeping up his passing, I think he'll be good. It, that, just, that makes the Chet injury suck so much more because he is like, forget about the Thunder not really having a defined big man rotation. Like he is this yeah. like the perfect big because of his ability to stretch the floor to play alongside Josh Gideon, his in-between yeah. game and vision. Yeah, and they're like best friends too, so it's really cute. I'm already <laughs> upset. I will say, Josh Giddy reminds me. If you look at him right now, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Seventeen again with Zac Efron before he yeah. goes through his makeover. Yes, he kind of yeah. looks like that version of Zac Efron, but didn't go tanning or something. Yeah, and that's just what yeah. I see every time I see Giddy. You know, I feel I feel like last year Giddy is like the nicest, most down to earth person. He's like the perfect person to come play in Oklahoma. He's super sweet. But then once we got Chet and they started hanging out together, I feel like Chet kind of unlocked this chip in Jetty and Josh Giddy, like kind of had this chip on his shoulder now. He kind of was like a little bit more like a little bit more cocky, a little bit more haughty about his game. And I think it's good for him. It's not like annoying. I think it's good that he has that. I think he needs that to kind of push him to to make those strides and make those changes in his game. I am ready and willing to eat crow on him if he winds <laughs> up really becoming a more dynamic uh, offensive scorer. What of your? Do you have any impressions for the Thunder's other rookies? Because there's a trillion of them. We have the Jalen Williams is plural, yes. and then a personal favorite of mine, Usman Jang. Yeah. Um, following summer league slash based on what you just already know about about these dudes. Yeah. So out of those three, so far I've been most imp- impressed with J Dub, which is Jalen Williams with an E from Santa Clara. <laughs> um, he was really impressive in summer league. Uh, I think he he played great offensively. He played great defensively. He um, he was really good at cutting to the basket. He had a couple of dunks that were really exceptional and just kind of got the team morale up. And I thought that he just sh- showed flashes of being ready to fit into the lineup right away. Um, Jang, I was a little bit disappointed with um, in, in summer league. Um, he was kind of taught it as this like excellent passer and ball handler, and he didn't really get to. You didn't really show me that in summer league and with all the people that are handling the ball on this Thunder roster right now, I just don't know if he's going to have a space for him to be able to kind of show off those skills. And that's kind of unfortunate just with the number of guards that we have on our roster right now. And then Jalen Williams, which is Jay will with an I from Arkansas. 
he, first of all, his like smile just like makes up, makes my whole day. Like he just immediately makes me feel good about basketball, even if we're losing just because he just has that extra energy. Um, I think he's going to, he's going to work really hard. I think he kind of has like a, a Kenrich Williams vibe where he might not start out, you know, at the top, but he's willing to put in the work and, and, you know, show the team that he will work hard to, to do well. And so I, of those three to me, J-Dub is the one that shows the most readiness to be put into the lineup in the 10 man lineup, not to start probably, but in the 10 man roster, I think he's most ready to be there in my opinion. Uh, I probably agree with you based on what happened yeah. in summer league. And to your point about Jay will, yeah. I can kind of see the Kenrich Williams comp where he's just kind of, yeah. there's the element of like, I don't need to score. Like I'll just defend and I'll keep the ball moving. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm just basing this off summer league. I didn't watch him in school. Exactly. And just like a, a pure willingness to learn and to, to want to get better. And I think he'll fit really well with, you know, the new shooting coaches and just, you know, our whole coaching staff really fosters that in, in players. And so I think he'll fit in really well. And I'm hoping that, you know, towards the end of the season, he'll have more of a role, but I think as far as right now, I'm going with J-Dub. Is J-Dub also who you're highest on long-term? Because I think mine is Jang. I'm in love with I'm in love with Jang. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I just like I said, he's a great ball handler and a passer, but is he gonna get to do that in Oklahoma City with Shay and Giddy and Trey Mann and all these other people that handle the ball more than he will? Yeah, I'm excited to see him work with Chip Anglin because I feel like he if he becomes like sort of an off ball spacer, that would be a nice little role for right. him as well. And then like you already said, with the ball moving and the ball handling, there's also just a lot of sort of positional malleability on defense. And I like that the thunder like went after him and just decided like, I've, first of all, he's definitely a thunder player when you look yeah. at him, <laughs> um, but I was excited about him even before he went to OKC. Yeah. Someone I'm also excited about, and I don't know if you know this, but I am like a Poku apologist. Um, I am convinced that there is a good, uh Oh, I'm convinced there's a good NBA player in there. Uh, do you think he gets a chance? At bigger time minutes with Chet injured, do you think he doesn't make the roster at this point? You're putting, you're holding up the X, and now I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm concerned. I'm just saying, if it was my team, he would have been he would have been out like two chances ago. Here's my problem, with Poku. You just broke my heart. I just want. I know. I, I'm I, sorry, I and I, maybe I broke a lot of people's hearts. But okay, so going into this draft, everyone was like, "Why would you draft Chet? He's literally exactly the same as Poku." And I'm like, "Okay, yes, they're both very tall, and they're both very thin." But the comparisons literally stop there. Like, they have nothing else in common. So getting Chet just obliviates the need for Poku. And I understand the season we don't have Chet, so it's a little bit of a different situation. But my biggest issue with Poku is it's been, like, two years, and he still doesn't have consistency. He'll have one game in, like, every seven games where he might get, like, six or seven rebounds or, you know, he will might have, like, uh, a good defensive play or something like that. And I just, that's just not going to cut it. Like I need some more consistency. Um, and it's, it's a complaint that I have with a, a more than one Thunder player. Um, but with Poku, it just, I haven't seen the growth. I haven't seen, you know, what we were promised when we got Poku, um, that he was just going to be this like young prolific guy. He's still pretty young. So I don't know, but I'm kind of out on Poku, especially with all these new people coming in. Like this roster has so many people that are all going to be fighting for spots on this roster for spots in the, in the, on the bench lineup. And I just think that like someone like Jay will is going to outwork him. And you know, that's just how I feel. Pain. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag pain. I will say whenever he re-entered the rotation last year, it was like February at some point, I thought he was less prolific in a good way where it felt like he was playing very much within 
the the larger context of the Thunder, looking at some of um, his offensive movements and then even some of like his defensive help. I totally understand the consistency issues. And I think part of the appeal of Poku is that this is someone who you theoretically want, well, not want, but should be able to put the ball in his hands and see what happens. But I feel like you very rarely are going to like the outcome yeah. of what happens. But I was, I guess, impressed with his capacity and maybe willingness to fit in to like the bigger ecosystem. You know, it was like only for however many games it was when he re-entered the rotation, but I clung to that uh, and didn't let go for dear life. So basically the selling point for Poku is he's better when he does less. <laughs> I can maybe get bored, on board with that. <laughs> we, it's the, uh, uh, what is that? Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Is that like do less, do yeah. less. You're doing too much. Like he does that's... need to do less. Sometimes he does do too much. Sometimes he thinks he's LeBron and I'm like, bro, you need to chill. Um, but and I also love that. I, I will, that type of confidence endears him to me, which is also part of why I love Poku is like the, the downs, like the yeah. downside is like, I almost appreciate it a lot of the time, but the inconsistency I, I totally could get is, is frustrating. Yeah. It is frustrating. I did tell you before we started this podcast, I had like 80 questions with this team to the point yeah. that I had to cut it down, try and loop players together. So what better way than to do that right now? Okay. Um, which of these three rotation standouts from the end of last year, are you most interested in, to watch moving forward in Vikrejci, Aaron Wiggins, and Trey Mann? Of those three, I'd probably say Trey Mann. I think he is in a good position to be the backup point guard and to run the second unit if, like, Josh Giddey is not playing with them. Um, I think Trey Mann, to me, he has the best, uh, the most upside, I think. I think he showed a lot of flashes of different things that he can do, his ability to handle the ball, his ability to run the floor. Um, I saw that a lot last year. Um, he's also a pretty good shooter. Um, shoots a lot of threes. We like that, um, especially in the bench unit, because I think in that second unit, it's going to be really chaotic. I don't think there's going to be a lot of shooting. I don't think there's going to be a lot of like really a system for them to play. And it's going to be kind of more like individual people. Um, especially because they're going to be switching people in and out of that lineup so often. And I feel like Trey Mann kind of fits in that better um, than the other two. I know Krejci did end the season pretty well, um, but I'm going to go Trey Mann on that one. I think I, you're probably right, mm -hmm. but when I watched like Aaron Wiggins, and like, I know he's not necessarily the greatest finisher, but his ability to generate rim pressure through tight spaces mm -hmm. just left me intrigued. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think I might pick him. That's but valid. Yeah, fair. I think this – you know, this all, everything we just talked about with Poku, these three steps on the toes was as we record this, yeah. the Thunder have 18 players under contract for next season, 16 of whom are now those players are guaranteed. Uh, and I think two of the other ones, I think it's Wiggins and Krejci are the ones that are non-guaranteed. And so they're not just no brainer. Oh, get rid of them. Yeah. If you had to pick roster spot casualties at this point, I think Derek favors, whether you move him or just wave him at this point is one, right? But That's who are the other two? Um, so yeah, Derek Favors, uh, obviously he didn't fit with the plan at all last year. He really doesn't fit with the plan now that Chet's out. Well, maybe, uh, okay. He really didn't fit with the plan when Chet was in. That was be like hundred percent, wave him, trade him, whatever. Now without Chet, we are like down a big man, but I don't think that Derek Favors is the person to fill that spot. So I'll give you that. Scala makes more sense than him if you're going to play with Giddy too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. And so, um, Derek Favors, I think Tao Maladon, unfortunately, his days are numbered. Uh, I think that uh, there's just once, first of all, there's a surplus of guards. Two, I think Trey Mann is better at backup point guard position than Tao Maladon is. Um, I think that he still has trade value. 
I think that uh, other teams might be interested in him. So he might be a player that we might be able to move for something in return. I don't think he's worthless, um, but I just don't think that he fits in where the Thunder are right now. So we're at Teo, Derek Favors, and who is the other one? Is it Poku? Is that just what you weigh Poku right now? <laughs> um, it was my choice, maybe, um, but it's not my choice. And I think, you know, they, they risked a lot on getting Poku, so they don't think they're ready to give up just yet. Um, but if I had to choose, I feel like it was always just like Wiggins, Krejci, I don't know. Maybe I'd pick Krejci, but I feel like people are kind of high on him after the end of last year. So I don't know. Those are probably like the only two players that you could reasonably boil it down to after Favors and Teo, though. Like you're not just, I mean, I've, I've entertained, I will say this. I don't have a specific question on him because I have no idea what the fuck he's supposed to be anymore. Yeah. I thought he played well defensively last year. Yeah. I have zero feel for what Darius Baisley is supposed to be on offense. And so I've wondered if they are, he's someone they would sell they low are. on, if not just get rid of. Darius Baisley. That's another person uh, that I'm struggling to keep rooting for. Um, when Darius Baisley's first run Thunder, I was the biggest Darius Baisley fan in the whole Thunderverse. Like, could not get enough. Was so excited. Loved him as like a player, as a person, as just like an opportunity that was great for the Thunder. But he has also really struggled with consistency. And just from season to season, you just keep waiting for him to you know, reach that next level. And he kind of has it like he had a really good uh, end of the season in the bubble. And then he kind of just tapered off again and he got injured at the end of last season. So uh, I don't know. I, I actually don't even know if he, like if, if he's going to be back for the beginning of the season. I think he will be. He had like a tibial plateau fracture, but I haven't really heard anything about it since it happened. So I'm not really I, sure what's with him. I would prefer both Krejci and Wiggins to him at this point. It would be, I think it would be Baisley. Um, Teo and uh, Derek Favors would be the three that I would pick. Interesting, interesting. Uh, yeah. Poku's, Poku's untouchable, of course, in my book. Yeah, I think I think that for the same reason that I can't pick Poku, just like the the team is invested a lot in him and like are putting a lot on him, you know, being a valuable part of the team. Kind of feel the same way about Darius Baisley. Um, so I think maybe one of the newer guys, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I would argue there wasn't too much clarity on what the Thunders, and I don't even like asking questions about starting fives because they don't necessarily matter, but the Thunders is just interesting because I feel like there are two spots yeah. that are guaranteed and then the rest are not following Chet's injury. And uh, so what, I guess three because SGA, Gideon, Dort. So you have yeah, yeah. three. What's the, what's the front line of the starting five look like now? <laughs> There's so many people you can put at the four and like one person that can like really truly play center. Like if you want like a true position full basketball I guess you have to start Mike Muscala but that's not gonna happen so I feel like I would pick Jeremiah Earl Robinson yes Robinson Earl, Robinson Earl uh to play the four. Oh. Five. I don't know see it's like flexible maybe he plays the five let's see who else could you slot in there I thought about Kenrich at the four, but I feel like they very much want him to come off the bench. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's good off the bench. Um, ba I mean, Baisley, if he's playing, maybe Baisley. No Poku? No, no chance. No Poku. No Poku in my lineup. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's tricky. Yeah, it'll be an interesting question. I think Kenrich does better off the bench. He fits really well there. Same with Trey Mann. Um, obviously, he wouldn't be in the starting lineup, but I think he just like he really that's he found his his space his spot in in the bench lineup, and so I think they're definitely locks for like if we're looking at a ten man lineup, 
I think Ma uh, Trey Mann and Cameron Williams are definitely in there. Um, yeah, I don't know who you play with Earl Robinson. Would you uh, consider? I wouldn't love this front court combination. I would just start JRE at the five and then put like J Dub at the four and then not really care about what the shooting looks like. But would you do Muscala with JRE? You could. That's the thing is like they're flexible. I think if, if they want like a bigger lineup, they could start Muscala. But I don't think that they're, I don't really think that's the plan. I mean, they're paying him like nothing to be there. It seems like he's more of like a, like a locker room culture veteran type presence than like our starting center. Um, Maybe you can put favors there until uh, they trade him or waive him or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. This question is probably more fair and at least easier because what what do you think the ten man rotation looks like? Because you have Giddy, like the the players who will you know the ten players who will play the most on a regular basis. You have Giddy and Shea and Dort and Kenrich Williams are in there. I think you're also going to see J Dub and Jeremiah Robinson Earl yeah. um, as two names right there. So that's what are we up to five? Six. 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 Look at that. I would personally throw Usman Jang, but I was going to be curious as to what your thoughts were. Okay. Well, I definitely that. have to put Trey Mann in there, so that makes seven. Yeah. Okay. Um. So you say... Well, I mean, the two other rookies. Let's talk about, like, if it's, yeah. you know, um, Jay Will and Usman Jang, I would assume it's one of them, right? Yeah, and it's probably... It's probably Jang. In that second lineup, it's probably him in that group, especially just like his position and his role. I think he probably fits in better. And then Mascala, if he's not starting. That'd be nine. And so nine. Jay Will, Poku, I guess you're putting Jay Will over Poku in there. Or there's, you know, there's Krejci, there's Aaron Wiggins, maybe. Darius Baisley. Oh, I keep forgetting he exists. I'm I know. Even... <laughs> um, I think that's probably it. So there's no room for Poku. There's no room in there's... the end. Poku. <laughs> There's room for Poku. You just refuse to make it. <laughs> okay, well, it's either... Okay, so... Okay, so you have to choose between Mascala and Baisley and Jing and Poku. So, like... Uh, what do you get? Two of those guys or just yeah. one? I I feel you can pick two. I'd go Poku and Jang. I wouldn't even like again. I, Darius Baisley, I'm just out on. So maybe I'm just too okay. low. Okay. On, uh, especially for what this team need, needs offensively at this point. So it's an easy decision what? for me. Poku I imagine uh, Mark doesn't feel the same. What's that? What does Poku bring offensively? Uh, like I said, there was like times where he knew how to get to the corners last year when he came back in the rotation. I do like do the. Remember, do you remember the, when he dribbled it off his foot? I mean, <laughs> who hasn't dribbled it off their foot before, though? And just like. They do kind of need. Could you? You could even. Uh, he's too. He just doesn't have the frame to do it. But just yeah. like, there are some really funky lineups you could run with him on the front line. I just don't know. Offensively, I don't think Baisley provides the same level of versatility. Like maybe you trust Baisley with the ball in his hands more, but I feel like the outcomes are often going to be like just as poor. Yeah, maybe it's bad either way, and it's just a question of which one is less bad. Um, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Baisley. And I'm going to be out on Poku, and you can go the opposite, and we'll see what they do. Either way, my brain is bending over here. I wrote that in the yeah. outline I sent you when I was trying to yeah. talk myself through it's, it. It's difficult. And then you like start to figure it out, and then you're like, oh, shoot, I forgot about this other extremely important player that I forgot was on the team. Um, it's going to be chaotic, that's for sure. And it's, I think 
they're going to run through a lot of lineups throughout the entire season. They're going to switch people in and out, especially these rookies, just to see, you know, what can you do? Who do you fit well with? What's your best like position? Uh, what do you bring to the team? Um, so I, I think, you know, honestly, they could probably spend half the season on two different lines, two different starting lineups, and then like six different iterations of the bench, honestly. They should run like an all sophomore and rookie lineup, which is like Giddy, JRE, and then like yeah. the three healthy rookies and just, just see what happens. Yeah. But. If you ask me for my, uh, my quirky, funky lineup, it has nothing to do with the actual players, but I think they should do Josh, Jalen, Jalen, Ty Jerome. We haven't talked about Ty Jerome at all, who is on Thunder. Um, and we need another J. Jeremiah and just to confuse the heck out of the announcers try to like talk about the players with five people that all start with J and two of them have the same name <laughs> I would absolutely love them to try that I mean <laughs> I feel like they're like probably obligated to do that they should be yeah. trying every single lineup um, yeah they should play the Jalen's together as much as possible in my opinion um I would probably go with and I don't think they would ever try this I'd probably go with Shay JRE Poku you know who's going to be in there uh Jang and Kendrick Williams was was mine it's like you're you're essentially point guardless even though shea is he's yeah. a primary playmaker um i just love the the chaos element that i think could form from that yeah, lineup interesting to see where that where the offense would come from with that lineup a little defense heavy but it's just gonna let sga go out there and shoot all the shots <laughs> uh yeah i mean yeah you'd have to convince jang like needs to be more yeah. aggressive and kenrick williams doesn't like scoring for himself poku is willing to take more shots yeah. Um, so what do you, when you look at this team, what mm -hmm. is their single biggest weakness to you that would most concern you leading into the next season? Um, I think it's two things. I think they definitely have uh, an issue with shooting. And I think there are like a handful of people that can shoot consistently, consistently people that can create shots for themselves. But I also think a huge challenge for this team is going to be uh, they've got a lot of individually talented people and finding a way for those people to work together in a unit, especially when that unit is constantly changing with people switching in and out of the lineup all season long. Um, that I think is going to be really challenging for them to kind of create uh, an offense or a system, um, like a, an identity uh, with that many switches happening in a season. Do you think they're at the point where they would look midseason if opportunities arrive to make the roster better fitting on paper and in practice? Or is this still very much like the most splashy transactions we're going to see is them like winnowing down the roster at this point before the season. And they're very much going to, you know, leave it where it lies. Or maybe we get like the net, the next crazy, like towards the end of next season. Yeah. I think whittling down the roster to start, then trying out a lot of different players, a lot of different combinations to see what we have that already fits well together. Um, and then maybe after that, you know, we might see Baisley getting traded. Uh, we might see uh, some of these lesser pieces like Tail Maladon. If he doesn't, if he's not on the roster, if he's still on the roster, he might get traded. Um, maybe even Ty Jerome, who we just talked about, is kind of like a random person that doesn't really have. Full I identity. only remember guys that have like wiggle to their game, and I forgot that he existed as yeah, well. Yeah, so. he had he had a good end to the season last year. Um, but yeah, like I said, this 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 roster is so guard heavy. It's just it's going to be kind of like honestly like 
varsity basketball tryouts, trying to get a spot on this roster and on this team going forward. So I feel like they need to figure that out first. I feel like they need to figure out what they have first before they start trying to make moves to, you know, make that better or support that. It's also just, I don't really know if that's really on their priority list because obviously the objective of the season is not, you know, to win a whole bunch of games. Um, and maybe they'll just kind of, you know, see what they have and wait it out until check comes back. Uh, another lineup question I have for you though, is let's assume that they're trying to win a game and we're okay. in crunch time. What do you, and this will be matchup dependent. It is for everyone to some yeah. extent, what would be your go-to crunch time unit for this team? Um, I think that same starting lineup that we said of Giddy, SGA, Dort, Jerry, and unknown player, um, maybe maybe Jadam. I think that he could he could be a good closer. I think he's like uh, flashy and aggressive enough to to be someone that you'd want in the closing minutes of the game. He can shoot while he cuts to the basket. Um, he can you know catch you know some of those crafty passes from Josh Giddy. Um, so yeah, I'll, maybe I'll go with that. I'll go with Jerry Jadam. Dort, SGA, Giddy. And I'll done. also say, this is tangentially related, I feel like people harp on that Memphis game from last year too much. And I was of the mind, you absolutely thrashed the Thunder for that mm -hmm. game. But, like, let's not lose the plot here. And they, like, ended up being 14th in points allowed per possession. Uh, yeah. Through, like, fe like, until, like, February 1st or February something, whatever I last checked it, outside garbage time. This is a team that might actually, because on paper, they, they are built to maybe not be super disciplined on defense, but like yeah. they're built to disrupt on defense. And so they could find themselves sure. in a handful of close games. Yeah. If there's one thing that I've learned over the past, like three or four seasons is no matter who is on this team, you can never count them out to, to be gritty, to, to win a game. Even whenever uh, they had Chris Paul, um, people were like, there's no chance this team is going to make the playoffs. And they did. And they were great. And they almost made it to the second round. And it's just like, they have uh, just kind of, an unexpected way of like pulling, you know, something out of these players that other people have passed over, whether it's Ludor or Kenrich Williams. And I think that is um, something that teams don't expect. They don't prepare for when they play the Thunder. And so they, they could very well, if they tried their hardest, you know, win, you know, 25, 28 games. But I just, why is the, is, I guess, the real question. Why would you what? want to? <laughs> Thank you for making the segue perfection for me. Uh, they're over under set at 23.5, yeah. which if you're interested is higher than last year, which was 21.5. Yeah. And if you're interested in knowing what we predicted, I went under, you went over, you were correct. Yeah. I was uh -huh. wrong. Probably a pretty common theme on this podcast. What would you <laughs> at 23.5 this year? Are you taking the over or the under on that? Yeah. So I believe last year they won 24 games yeah. um, and that put them like third worst in the league maybe fourth worst. Um, I'm going to take the over, but not by much. I think they'll win 24. Again. The West is brutal. And I'm going to take the over because I'm done down. Like this, maybe this is the year that like Shea is in the lineup to finish the season. Yeah. That's enough yeah. for me. Book it 25. Right. My follow-up question there would just be like, do you think though that there's, especially since this Chet injury, that there's a pretty substantial likelihood they kind of, go about their business the way they have the past few years where guys are getting shut down towards the end of the year. And like, they have all these different flyers in the rotation when we're talking about late March, early April. Yeah. Um, I hope not. Um, but I also think that kind of lends to how they're better than people think they are. So they won 24 games last season and that's after they basically shut down everyone the last like month and a half of the season. So imagine if those people had played through the entire season, I'm not saying we were going to make the playoffs or anything, but 
you know, that's a, that's like a, an average and av- like middle of the bottom team. And so I think if, if those players do play the entire season, that's why I'm taking the over. Um, I, I hope they don't do that though, because I feel like it's kind of a disservice uh, to some of our players like SGA and Dort who are just, you know, they have, I, I just feel bad, you know, benching them for the season because we're trying to lose on purpose. I know it's part of what you have to do, but I don't also don't think that they're like gunning for the number one pick. Maybe they are. I don't think they are. I think they're kind of just going to be happy with Chet and uh, just try to ride out the season and see what they can get. Maybe they'll get someone around like six. Like that's where they got Josh Giddy. I don't think they necessarily have to be the worst in the, in the NBA. And look, they could just technically still be organically bad. If you play Shea and Gideon Dort a bunch and you're just invested in the development of literally everyone yeah. else and giving yeah. them a runway. Yeah. Uh, and also, I will say, there's like a, I would probably maybe consider moving to Oklahoma City if they end up with both Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren next season. Uh, that's in the Hardwood Knock Discord, that's become like a, like just a theory. Like, oh, imagine those two on the same team. If that happens, I might actually collapse. Yeah, I think we used up like all the luck that we get for this entire decade on getting the number two pick. I, 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 and I think a lot of people think that we're cursed. <laughs> and so <laughs> when we got the number two pick, we got the number six pick, we got Josh Giddy. I was like, yeah, this, this checks out. This is, yeah, right on brand. When we got two, I was like, oh, shoot, like this is it. And then, then we got cursed again. So you never know. But, I think we're cursed, honestly. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. But it'd be nice. It would be nice. Is there anything or anyone uh, about or on this team I didn't ask you about that you think needs to be covered? Hi, Jerome. Should have been the focus of the entire podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I feel like we didn't, we didn't talk about Dort's new contract. Do you feel like you said that last year? Because you definitely did. Because I did not, not his new contract specifically. But we didn't talk about Lou Dort on the podcast. Um, yeah, please. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I think. People were, they always overreact to the initial dollar amount. The terms, even if you took the terms at face value, I think it was, what is he, 21? Like, he's still super young. And then you hear the terms, and it's like even somehow more team-friendly than it was. So I thought people overreacted to that deal. I think so, too. I think people are always aghast when the Thunder invests in things that that they like. Um, and they're just, I don't know, like whenever the Thunder retired Nick Collison's jersey, the whole, <laughs> the whole internet was on fire over this. You're like, how are you going to retire the jersey of this guy that like played like five minutes in his last like four seasons uh, with the Thunder and all this stuff? And it's just like the Thunder are going to do what the Thunder are going to do. And if they see something they like, if they see something that uh, is good for the culture, for our wins, for uh, for that player, they care a lot about their players. They make a really big point of, you know, taking care of their players that want to be there. Um, and if they do, they're going to do that. And it's not, they don't really care what other people are going to say about it. I think it's a great deal. I think that Ludor is one of the most underrated uh, players in the NBA currently. I think that his defense is exceptional. I think that he should be in the conversation for an all defensive team. Um, I think that he, if he played on the team that was in playoff contention, I think that he would be, uh, he would be an integral part of that team. And I think that if he went to another team like the Mavs or someone, I think he could have a really important role on another team. And so I'm really happy with where we got him at. Um, I think he's really happy to be staying in Oklahoma city. So I think it's great. Um, I wish that we also had Chet and we weren't like losing kind of a year of blue door steel kind of wasting time again. Um, but that's okay. He'll do great. I, 
he might be. I know that I'm not sure if I even asked you this, but maybe your pick was Gideon. A lot of people's pick is Gideon. I think I'm most mm-hmm. excited to see like what could Lou Dort be as a shooter with Chip Anglin and Oklahoma. Yeah. Just because we know the volume for Lou Dort is yeah. already there. Yes, absolutely. The volume is there. The the confidence is there. He's not afraid to put up eight threes in a game and miss half of them. And that's okay. But you need, you know, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So you need someone who's willing to put it up there to, to believe in themselves to do that kind of stuff. And we've seen him also on the other end of that to put up eight threes and make all eight of them, you know. So it just depends. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to see um, him, how he how he changes. We made it almost the entire podcast without my dogs making a, a guest appearance. Um, Olivia, thank you so much for agreeing to come back on. Are you able to tell our listeners where they can find um, your thoughts on the Thunder and basketball in general? Yes, uh, I'm on Twitter at Olivia NBA. Um, I mostly post my musings about basketball culture, um, basketball, who's dating who. Um, a lot of some thunder in there, especially when the season starts again, uh, random things, but yeah, I don't post as much as I, as I used to, as I like to, but yeah, give me a follow if you like some good, funny basketball content. The who's dating who, I don't know that I've seen that. Can you surprise, can you give me one, one couple that I don't know about when it comes to who's dating who? Who's dating who? One couple. Ooh, I that put me on the spot there. I don't have one off the bat, but I have been following all of this Chloe Kardashian, Tristan Thompson, drama which is just a whole a whole saga uh with their with their surrogate baby that was just born and tristan thompson being off and wherever while his surrogate was giving birth Ugh, don't even get me started on tristan thompson <laughs> uh, <laughs> person i will not get you started on tristan thompson <laughs> thank you so much again for hopping on and i hope that you agree to allow me to pester you again in the future i would be happy to come back thank you for having me again thunder up <laughs>